We welcome you to the Romantic Truth Podcast, where you think before you love. Please feel free to subscribe and listen on Anchor, Audible, Amazon Music, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Stitcher, CastBox, Podcast Addict, Breakers, Overcast, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, Deezer, or your browser. Be sure to share a link with a colleague, family member, or friend. Please be advised that the content of this podcast is for mature audiences due to the sensitive nature of subject matter. Think before you love is the Romantic Truth Podcast motto. You will not get slapped here, we promise. Hi everyone, Johnson with you here, Romantic Truth Las Vegas. Now, there's something I want to discuss today that is a problem, and we haven't really looked at it too much. And it has to do with you ladies. There's some of you ladies that are beautiful, very attractive, stunning, traffic stoppers. But I want to talk specifically in this particular episode to the women in their 20s. But those of you in other age groups, you can listen to. Because this is a problem. Some of you ladies feel as though 30 is getting old. And the reason why I'm saying this is because I'm starting to see something that's ticking up a bit. Women in their 20s who get past 25 that are committing suicide. There was a lady who was very popular that was an entertainer. And earlier this year, she took her life at 29. Recently, there was a lady in Wisconsin. Five years on the job. Used to play basketball in Florida, South Florida. She committed suicide. And she was engaged. 27 years old. One thing I want to convey to you ladies, your life is not over at 30. Don't make 30 that terminal number for you. What you're going to have to understand is that you're going to grow past that. And I know there's a lot of weight on your shoulders. Career, you're beautiful, you're afraid of getting old, you're afraid of becoming irrelevant. I get it. But if you notice, many of these people who are doing this are in the entertainment industry. Broadcasters. Actresses. It's not over. There's more to you than that. There's more to you than a beautiful face and nice shape. You need help, please go get it. Don't procrastinate. Because you're too young to go down the spiral of depression. Because depression, it doesn't forgive. And every inch you give it, it wants a foot. So that's something that you have to really look at. Now, one thing I want you to understand, and this is for you ladies who are over 30, 
What a say, you're starting to gray. Quit dyeing your hair. Just let it be what it is. The reason why I say this is because you know the women that don't like other women with gray hair and they make those snide remarks? That's because you remind them of where they're going. This is one of the very reasons why when I see these women always talking about fitness and hiking and all this other stuff in their 50s and 60s, it's kind of ridiculous. It's good to stay healthy, don't get me wrong. But some people do this for the wrong reason. You have to remember, you're older. Yes, you can be as physically active as you want to, but here's the problem. Sometimes you can overdo it, and a lot of people do. They just recently fired a woman in Canada that had been a reporter for like 35 years. She was the face of nightly news in Canada. And they fired her because she wouldn't dye her hair. Now, here's the thing. And of course, everybody's jumping on the bandwagon now. Everybody's letting their hair go gray and all this because of a trend because she got fired. Had she not been fired, I'm sure things would have stayed the same. These celebrities and all these other people would not be so conscious about it. It's funny when someone deals with something that's unjust or that's wrong. People come in after the fact, but they never look at things like this prior. But here's what you have to understand. A woman who is accepting herself as who she is, you know I talk about a confident woman all the time? That is a confident woman. She loves herself, she respects herself, and as she is, is as she accepts. with that, when she looks in the mirror, she's smiling. She doesn't have to tell herself she's beautiful. Other people do by the way she carries herself for herself first. You have to remember, the people that are insecure, they're the ones who are doing all of this, getting their hair dyed, getting their tummy tucks and lipo and all this other shit. Because they're trying to be pretty for someone else. And here's the thing. I've heard the arguments about, no, I'm doing it for myself. I'm doing it for my self-esteem. See, that's the problem. Your self-esteem was so low that you went on and did that in order to try to make yourself feel better. I can't tell you how many people I know right there in Los Angeles who got themselves chopped up in all kinds of ways to try to look beautiful. sad thing about it some of them still were not happy so you're dealing with also body dysmorphia you don't like the way you look why do you think you see this surge in men trying to become women 
they're not satisfied with who they are. They've been convinced that they were born in the wrong body. Maybe that will change some kind of appearance. But if you notice one thing, you don't have the number of women doing that like you do men. So that tells you right there there's a problem within itself. And with anything that's popular, people will exploit it. And with that exploitation comes the people who really need help. This is something that's a major problem that we really need to look at. Let's look at some of the societal dysfunctions we have. We have men dealing with body dysmorphia, wanting to become women. We have white males going into stores, for the most part in different establishments, and shooting up the place. We have black males that are continuing to kill each other over drill music and rap tapes. So we have a lot of dysfunction going on in our society. Women still fight for equal rights, there's no dysfunction there. But it seems though there's a dysfunction within the country that won't give them those equal rights by putting it in the Constitution. So who's dysfunctional there? Our politicians, the very people you send to Washington thinking that they're going to make a change and they give you that same bullshit argument until those lobbyists get a hold of them and then before you know it everything that they said at home in the town hall they didn't implement when they got to D.C. Dysfunction in our society. People believe in a man that has lied to them and committed all kind of illegal acts doesn't want to be held accountable, but these people follow him as if he's a messiah of some sort. Oh, we have a lot of dysfunction. In the political landscape, these new progressives coming in and throwing away the wisdom and knowledge of these older people that have been in office thinking it just because you're younger that they have new ideas. The only thing they have is just technology and access to information. There have been no human improvement. There has been not a new improved human introduced to society. But things that we have to look at. People that are not educating themselves now and finding out that many of these large warehouses and these big, big online box stores are deciding to go with automation. Don't want them to unionize. We have a lot of issues going on in our society that we don't really think about. Police officers. Some of them not properly trained. In many countries, especially in Europe, before you could actually be a police officer, you got to be on the force five years. Here, for a few weeks, few months. We don't have national health care because one group of people don't want to pay for the other. 
you have displacement when it comes to classes. Where you have people that are making around $35,000 a year still voting for legislation that's only going to help the wealthy that make over 100 k plus. But they haven't figured it out yet. These are just some of the things that we're dealing with. when the internet was first in its infancy back in 95, 94 there was a guy that went on and he dressed himself up like a lady and he castrated himself and he posted all the pictures of it Don't know if the guy died or not. They took the photos down. And this was considered to be okay to post. Okay to do to yourself. Because, unfortunately, it was an outlet for people to express themselves. Now they have this lady that went viral on TikTok and the quality of her videos now are questionable in the sense that they're wondering if she's okay or not. And people are shouting out, telling TikTok they need to do something or have some kind of intervention. They're a platform just to allow you to express yourselves. That's all TikTok is. It's a Chinese-based company. And trust me, the Communist Party in China also helps to influence what's on and what's not. What's acceptable and what's not. This is one of the reasons why I'm not on that platform so much. Because through it all, I would like for an American company at some point to get their shit together to provide a platform like that. Because you talk about you don't like socialism and communism, etc., etc. Well, you're sitting right in the lap of it with that. It would be very difficult for me to believe that a company that's partnered with Chinese government, which we already know, China's setting its ways no matter what. Or human rights and all that shit, you can forget it. They're the way they're going to be. And what they're doing is expanding their sphere of influence. They're not evil people. But they're different in the fact that they control their people because they believe that government is a better solution to society. We believe that the people are a better solution to society, and that's why we have conflict. So you wonder why your videos are being taken down and about their standards? I want to bet you that the party has an influence on that.
Tesla was the only company in China that could actually open up there without creating what is called an equity joint venture, where they have to partner with the Chinese Communist Party. Everybody else has to. They have to have a board member on. They have to follow the 14 business law practices and requirements there. They don't like democracy. They don't like our influence. You know, you don't see too many people from the mainland on TikTok, don't you? There's a reason for that. They don't allow what we do. They. But what they like to do is look at us like we're in a goldfish bowl to see the dysfunction in our society and see the way we behave, see how easy we're manipulated. Is it TikTok's fault? No, it's our own. So when these girls talk about how they have an emotional crisis and they get these comments in the comment section that really tears them apart. They see this weakness in our society. They're not trying to help. We have to help ourselves. And at some point you're going to realize this. And another thing we have to realize, too, is that we established this, this desire that we have to speak out. We have so many platforms, so many avenues in order to do this and express ourselves. But we also have to recognize how someone may need help. And there are a lot of people out there who do. These people that go on these different platforms and basically throw the world all their problems. Well, these people on social media are not therapists. The only thing they are is just onlookers to see how bad will the train wreck be. When you write into this show with your problems, with your issues, I give you my honest opinion about what I would do only. And I recommend you to go to see counseling if you need it, see a therapist. We have a suicide hotline number on the show for you to contact someone if you're really having a crisis. Because it's about you, the listener. It's about helping you in some kind of way, some capacity. Because One of the things you have to realize, there is a group of women in this world that are fearful of aging, fearful of becoming old, irrelevant. As a young man, I used to see it firsthand because the majority of women I dated were older. Oh, and that fear is real. And they would go through extra lengths. But here's the thing. Sometimes 
you ladies will set expectations for men and it becomes more difficult for you to keep up with those expectations. Now when you're younger, okay, you're younger, he's younger. But when you're aging and you're trying to put on the facade that you're younger than you are, that's where you have a problem. That's where you have a big issue. You see, even with this whole cougar thing, older women, December, May, those kind of things, which I was a part of as a younger man, I will tell you this. As a younger man, I was honest with the women I dated. 45 to 49 was my cutoff for several reasons. Because I didn't want to give them the false impression that at 30, I'd be ready to deal with a woman that's 50-something. Not because of her age, but because of the way she's going to see herself as she ages. Because see, the burden you don't realize some of you take on the burden of, God, I'll be old, not too many men are going to want me, etc., etc. But guess what we have to do, guys who date older women when we're younger? We have to hear the complaints. We have to hear you beat yourself up. We have to hear you tear yourself down. And after a time, after a while, we get tired of hearing it. Because many of you talk yourselves out of relationships because of that negative perception. And what I had to realize over time it was how the person felt about themselves in general. And that's the thing. There are men that feel the same way about themselves. I had a friend of mine that wrote himself off at 35. I thought I'd be dead at 35. And my friend was telling me, man, I hope I die before I'm 35. I said, why is that? I don't want to live past that. I don't want to be no old man stuck in a nursing home, dying with nobody coming to see me. I said, you know what? I'd rather be that old man dying in a nursing home by myself than to die at 35. I celebrated the hell out of my 35th birthday. The reason being, I had survived. I had made it. I beat the statistics for a black man. Everything else was great. By the way, that friend of mine, he's 60 just like I am got a wife, kids, grandkids, and doing well. I told him, I said, you just survived past 35, you could probably make it. And the reason why is because for men during that time, we had this um, peak that we thought that we'd meet, and then when we get there, everything was downhill. 
biggest lie ever. We're gonna talk in just a minute. All right, folks, we're going to take it in another direction for just a second, but it's still interrelated. It's a behavioral issue that we're going to talk about. Bipolar relationships. Now, there was an article written by Dr. Jennifer Payne from John Hopkins University. I posted it on our Facebook page at facebook.com backslash romantic truth. Now, this is something that will impact a relationship. Now, there's a couple of things that we have to look at. It has been stated that is one of these conditions, bipolarism in, in general, is hereditary. Now, what happens with this condition? You hear a lot of people talk about in relationships that they have ups and downs, like a roller coaster ride. As I told you, I experienced my first bipolar relationship with a woman in Santa Monica years ago. And um, one thing I can tell you, it was a ride I wasn't prepared for. Now, bipolarism has two categories. Category one, category two. Category one is more extreme. Requires lithium usually as far as uh, medication, psychiatrists, and uh, it's one of those conditions that has to be managed. Bipolar 2 is a milder form of being bipolar. Now, the one thing they both have in common is this manic state at times and this depressed state at times. Now, what this means is that at one, per- one point, the person may be very euphoric, They may want to go out and do things such as shop excessively, gamble excessively. Everything's going to be in excess. They may decide to go and maybe when it comes to being sexual, they may say in the initial stages that, you know, hey, uh, no sex before we get to know each other. And before you know it, the first time you're together, you guys are sleeping together and things are really going 100 miles an hour and then that person may want to stop and now they're disinterested they're not interested in sex intimacy they're laying in bed they may not want to shower they may not they go through a bout of depression so these are extreme mood swings what you're dealing with now in bipolar one they may go to an extreme that's way over the top with behavior, acting out, maybe combative, uh, maybe argumentative, wanting to fight. Then they may bring it back to where they may just want to go and after they have gotten through that euphoric rise, they may want to do something like maybe just be intimate, subtle, have sex, and then all of a sudden you're dealing with another condition later on where they're depressed or they're spiraling down. They may cry for no apparent reason. Um, the lady that I was with went through 
a series of all of these mood swings at one time because she was off her medication. One minute she kisses me, next minute she hugs me, next minute she slaps me in the face and spits in my face, next minute she says she's sorry. This is what will happen. And it's a roller coaster ride. Now, a lot of men date women with this condition and not know that they're dating a woman with that condition. And you also have to realize, ladies, some of your girlfriends that talk about how the guy only wants sex all the time, it could be either he's bipolar or she could be in the sense that she meets the guy. She's having sex with him 24-7 and she cuts it off and the guy's wondering why. And it doesn't necessarily have to be emotional shame. It could be that she has a condition that triggers that. Now, there are other things to keep in mind. Lack of sleep is one of the enemies of a bipolar person. And what they will do, they will stay up, just like the lady I dated years ago. Calls me up at 3 o'clock in the morning talking about, let's go to Palm Springs. What the hell's in Palm Springs at 3 o'clock in the morning? Oh, I just want to go and just have a ride. I just want to go somewhere. That kind of thing you'll be dealing with. You'd have to manage it. You guys would recommend, I would recommend highly that you go to counseling with this. Because if you're going to get in a relationship with a person like that, you're going to have to know exactly what you're dealing with. Because you don't know what kind of mood that person may be in when you meet them. That's the unpredictable nature about it. This is the reason why a lot of men don't date bipolar women. They date them when they're usually in that manic phase where they're willing to have sex and some of them get promiscuous and even though they may come out with the facade of, hey, you know, I'm okay, I'm cool, nothing's going on. And the guy gets with them and then she just wants to have sex and then all of a sudden she cuts it off and she goes down with the mood swing, I don't want to be in a relationship anymore. You know, we need to go our separate ways. And one thing that I will tell you about dating bipolar women, they can be very, very hurtful. Same thing for men, bipolar men. They're, bipolar men are even worse. The same characteristics that I'm describing for you ladies, a bipolar man goes through it as well. And this is a tough situation. I had a friend of mine that was bipolar. I didn't realize it until years later. Didn't know what it was then. And this was before I met the bipolar woman that I started dating years ago in Santa Monica. He was the kind of person that, you know, he had started a conversation, you're laughing and everything. And before you know it, something would trigger him. He'd walk away. And you'd be there talking to him. Before you know it, he's gone somewhere else. And the next time you see him, he doesn't even speak. Doesn't even act like you're there. Just walk right past you. And then you see him another time out here. Hey, man, what's up? What's going on? Blah, blah, blah. And then after that, nothing. Now, this is an emotional disorder. And 
there's some triggers along the way for them. And many people who are aware of this, they understand these triggers. Now, some of the other characteristics with a bipolar person, they may find it hard to keep a job. They have a lot of anxiety. And there's a good possibility that when you meet that person, they probably can't function in that work environment at some point. And you'll see their resumes like God knows how long. And most people would look at that and say, oh, this person's just a deadbeat. No, they're dealing with a problem that's probably untreated. See, mental illness is something we don't talk about in our society because we're embarrassed. Because that means that it comes down to something that may be way over our heads. And we don't want to deal with that. So we'll stick with somebody that we may think is normal. But you never know. You can still get what the person you think is normal and they can still be as dysfunctional as anything else. Now, and it's not uncommon for this to go generations untreated. And we always label someone as crazy when we don't understand them. It's just like a conspiracy theorist. Things they don't understand, they just create a conspiracy around it. And that's their answer to whatever that is without knowing the facts. That's what people do. Because they're looking for something that's convenient and something that makes them feel comfortable. Comfort and convenience are two things in our society that will eventually kill us if we're not careful. Now, the one thing that we have to realize if you're dating someone with this kind of condition, as long as they recognize what they have and they say it, you're halfway there. Because you have a lot of people, especially in urban communities, ethnic communities, that don't want to be associated with anything like that because that's taboo. They don't want to be made fun of. They don't want to be laughed at. And so they'll try to conceal it. Now that I look back in the relationship I had back then, there were certain times she said, you know what, I don't want to see you for a while. Okay. Well, that while wound up being two days, 48 hours. And then she'd be back in her mood where, hey, uh, let's go somewhere. Let's go to the movies. So you have an on and off switch that you're dealing with. Now, she was bipolar one. And the one thing that you have to realize is that sometimes the medication will stabilize them in such a way that they're all right with where they are. But sometimes they miss that, that manic portion of it. And they'll go off their meds just for that purpose, just to get that rush. Because it becomes something that they miss. Now imagine two people that are bipolar in a relationship together. Boy, boy, that'll be interesting. Now, the other thing that you have to realize, too, if your partner has bipolar 1, there's a good possibility they'll need to be hospitalized. Now, one thing that I had a vantage point of seeing when I was, when my mom was alive, 
was that she worked in psychiatry. So she told me about these different things and these different conditions that people will have. And I remember one time I was dating a lady and she says, you know, she's bipolar, right? And I said, really? As soon as my mom met her, she knew off the bat, she said, she's bipolar. She said, now you might want to see if you're ready for that. I didn't know what it meant at the time. I broke up with her before she had any kind of issue. I was afraid because I had seen some people with extreme bipolar uh, situations in the hospital that she worked. And then I messed around and met a bipolar woman and I didn't do my homework later on. And it was an interesting experience. And then I realized I dated other women later on in life who had that same condition. The lady who had the sundress on with no underwear that did the cartwheel right there on Santa Monica Boulevard. And I'm seeing nothing but just shaved vagina. And I'm just looking like, wow. Everybody else got to look. I mean, ass, everything out. <laughs> Dress went completely over her head. I had to pull it down. But these things, they happen. But do most people give you a roadmap as to what's going on with them? No. Those who do, at least you know what the challenge is if you deal with that person. And if you educate yourself on the condition that that person is experiencing, it helps you. Because when they recognize it and they know what they're dealing with, they know how to deal with it. Because they've gone through relationships, they've gone through jobs, because that condition has cost them those things. This is one of the reasons why you usually see them starting over again a lot. Because they might have bad credit. They may have not be able to keep a job. They may have had cars repossessed. And a lot of times it has to do with that because it's emotional mood swings that they're dealing with. And they don't care about the consequences until after the manic side is done. But the biggest challenge is to keep them from going into that depression, that well of depression. Because see, one thing that works hand in hand with bipolarism, as the age will be, dementia. And when you get to that point, that's when things get really complicated. Short-term memory starts to go. They'll be in a relationship with you and forget your name. They would have said something and five seconds ago they forgot what they said. They may have to have post-it notes on the refrigerator just to remind themselves of what they're supposed to do. Folks, there's nothing wrong with this. What I'm saying is when you're exposed to a condition that you have no control over, the thing you have to understand is that this is something you have to live with and you have to work your way around it so that 
you get the best shot at life with what you have. You don't give up. You don't give in. You take over. And you go forward. One thing that I found that helps, uh, I had a friend of mine. And uh, he has dementia. It's coming in on him. And what I told him was to go down to the 99 cent store, go on Amazon, buy him a whiteboard and get him some dry erasers and markers. And while it's fresh in his mind, write things down that he needs to. And I say, you want to write down things that you commonly have to remember. You always have those things there because when it's a point of reference, he can remember it. Now, some people go through shock therapy if it's too extreme. But, you know, that's a hit or miss. You don't know what, what you're going to come out with with that. And I can tell you, that basically wipes your hard drive. What that does, it wipes out all of your memories. And then you have to learn things such as to chew your food. All these things. Eventually, my mom had to have that done. She had a nervous breakdown years ago. And so with that, I had to reintroduce her to the family. I had to show her my ID card, show her my birth certificate that I was her son again. And then what happened after she started remembering these things, she started remembering more shit than I could ever think of. She told me the color of the things that she had wrapped me up in when she took me home from the hospital. She then began to tell me about when she first met her, met my dad. About how he used to plant his own food on his own property. So corn, cabbages, stuff like that. He didn't need to go to the grocery store for it. He made his own garden. And he said, as long as I got the land, why the hell go to the grocery store for those things? I'll just go to the grocery store for meat because I'm not having any chickens around. And she was very descriptive in the details. She could tell me dates, years, months, everything. But it took a long time for that to happen. It took about two years for things to get back where she could actually remember them. But we were still fighting dementia. And this is one of the things that a lot of you ladies fear is becoming old and getting to a state in your life where you can't do for yourself. Men fear this too, ladies. It's not just you. And the thing we have to realize is that ratio of making that energy you're spending trying to get younger, be younger, and be with these younger men and all of that, you're going to realize later on that that's energy you could have saved on improving yourself and preparing yourself for getting older. Because you're going to lose the, the, the war of aging. You're going to lose that war. I can tell you that now, just to save you the trouble. 
so many people before you have tried it. The thing is, being yourself is the best way to go and to be honest. Because see, as long as you're yourself and honest, you, you have something, you have a platform to work from. So it all depends on how you perceive yourself. And just because you have a condition, you don't have to make yourself less than anybody. You're just as valid as anyone else. You have the desires, the need, the talent, and everything else to be happy. You deserve to be happy. The thing is, you have to find someone who's willing to say, okay, I'll take that too, and we'll go on and be together. Years ago, back in the 1990s, I went on a date with a lady. She was a mom, single mom of four. And when we're on this date, and I think our oldest was like 14, 15, and we went on this date, and we were sitting there chatting it up. And she said, something I need to tell you. I said, uh, what's that? She said, well, I had to do 10 years for manslaughter. Well, that was a gut punch. You could have told me that like before we went on a date. And she said, yeah, you're going to find out anyway. Because I still got a lawsuit pending because the family's trying to sue me for wrongful death. She had killed her ex-boyfriend years prior. And she asked me if I'd have a problem with that. And I said, yes, I do. And she said, oh, well, nobody's perfect. I said, yeah, but nobody goes out and kill people either. We all have the nature of killing people, she said. And here's what changed my mind. She was eating a steak and I was eating a steak and she was cutting a steak and she pointed the steak knife at me when she was saying it. That was enough. I said, no. <laughs> when I got her ass out of my car, that was it. We're going to deal with it. We're going to deal with it. Now, the sad thing about it, when she went to prison, I think her oldest was like four, four or five. And she had nothing but infants. She had a, a twins and then she had the other two by different men. And the guy that she wound up killing didn't have any children. That was one thing that I knew wasn't right. Because I didn't have any children. And I'm sitting there thinking, damn. So the thing that got me the most was this. Before she got out of the car, she said, well, you're going to do just like any other man that I've gone out with recently. When I tell them this, they have a problem with it. And I didn't say nothing. But here's the first thing that got me was that she deceived me by not telling me, by omitting what was something that was very obvious.
but I couldn't do it. You have to know your limitations when it comes to a relationship. You have to know when to say when. And of course, I got called a weak man and all this. But here's the thing. Why would I be with a woman with all this legal minutiae to deal with still when I could be with a woman that I had nothing like that to deal with at all? There'll be other problems, but it damn sure won't be that problem. Should I have to go to sleep with my eye open? That wasn't going to happen. And so what that started to show me was that, wait a minute, because I was one of these egalitarians that believed that everybody should have equal access and have a fair chance. But I had to realize, I only have so much time on that dash on my headstone. So I got to live my life a lot better than I have been, which meant that I had to start treating myself better. Because... Me dating her was reflective of the way I felt about myself. Not to shame her or downgrade her because of what happened. I didn't know all the particulars, didn't care to find out. But one thing that I did know was that I had not been locked up, never been in jail a day in my life. And I didn't feel as though a woman that should be in my life should have either and it's highly likely that you will find a woman that had not been locked up than one that has and people make mistakes that's a given they do make mistakes we all do but it's the magnitude of the mistake that you have to look at along with the type. We'll talk more in just a moment. Now, let's discuss what men go through in the aging process. We expect to be rejected as older men. That's just by default. The reason for this, of course, has a lot to do with the perception of men in society. We're not really valued that much, and I don't say that for pity, I'm just telling you the truth. More homeless shelters for women and children, more social benefits for women and children, And many of the men are pretty much deemed as the guy that's going to make all the money that if he falls on hard times, that's on him. And we have to look at a few things here. For men, we're basically valued and judged by what we make. Let's be honest. So therefore, what happens, he's usually dependent on what? A job. Now, does that job have any commitment to him? The answer is no. So, he could do his best work at a company, 
and wind up losing his shirt when that company says, we don't need you anymore. We're going to automate everything or we're going to uh, look at taking a job overseas. Now, the one thing that I learned from my parents was this. Never get too comfortable when it comes down to working for someone. That's how you wind up unemployed, guaranteed. Because what happens, the companies, their executives are making decisions while you're sleeping in bed. Some of them are calling each other up, say, hey, you know what, we don't need this division anymore. Let's go ahead and sell it off. That's what happened to me when I was a contractor with one large firm. Overnight, they called us in that Monday morning. They had a meeting on Sunday. That Monday morning, they told us that there would be a percentage of us getting pink slips because the company was going to downsize because it was getting ready to be sold, the division of the company I was with, to EDS, which is was Ross Perot's company back then. There was no ifs, ands, and buts no goodbyes, and what started to happen, you started to see a change in the way people work together. The people that used to be friendly and nice and kind with each other, they started cutting throats. They started telling on each other. They started pointing out mistakes people made in order to say the whole not me thing, right? Well, the majority of people that got laid off were men. A lot of women in the administrative, secretarial area, they kept their jobs. I left before they started swinging the axe, got another job. And that's what saved me because what I had to realize was what my parents told me made a lot of sense. When I was a contractor at another major corporation, we had orientation one day. It was like the fifth day we were there. They, you know, wine and diners gave us all of these different, you know, bags of goodies from the company, all their T-shirts and sweaters and sweatsuits. And they really did us up with all of the stuff. And then they told us during orientation, and I really appreciate this man to this day for what he told us. He was an executive vice president. He said, let me make something abundantly clear. We hired you because we need you right now. When we don't need you, we will let you go. You don't have to worry about anything for the first two years here. Afterwards, we'll reassess. If you're thinking about buying a car, buying a house or something like that, I wouldn't put faith in that right now. And he was brutally honest with us, as people say. I hate that term. But he was honest with us about what we were facing going forward. He says, we're here to make you feel comfortable in the work environment. He says, but we're not the government. We're not here to take care of you. And what this meant was they got more productivity out of us, that's for sure. But also, what they didn't expect was at the two-year mark, there was an exodus of people leaving. And the reason why we left, and thankfully we did, they didn't renew the contract. So we'd been shit out of luck anyway. And what I'm saying to you is this, ladies. When it comes to men, 
when it comes to jobs. Our success is contingent on who we work for. A company could be stable as hell, doesn't mean a thing. If their balance sheet is looking pretty good and they feel as though too many employees, too many legacy issues are weighing down that balance sheet, the first thing to go are people. I worked at another company where I was going to give them their separation package, their golden parachute. These are people that have been at the company 20, 30 years. Some of them had so many certificates on the wall that looked like a damn wall of fame or something. Trophies and all that stuff. And here I am, mid-twenties, telling these people that they were going to be let go. Oh boy, did I get called some names. I never saw the N-word or heard of the N-word being used in so many different configurations. We had to have security there, take them out. And when I saw that, it underscored what I believed. There were grown men who had grandchildren. 60 years old same age I am now, crying, begging for their jobs, talking about that's the only identity they had. Without that job, they were nothing. i never forget one man came in and said that he would work for free as long as he could stay. He was retirement age, though. He was at 65 because he was afraid of not doing something. He felt as though he was being... He was cheating the world because he wasn't working. Unfortunately, this is the mindset that they condition American men to believe and think. Even when they retire. I, I, I I feel like I'm just wasting my time. I'm not doing anything. I need to be doing something. Because see, what happens when you've been in the workforce so long, they give you the mindset of guilt. You don't want to be called lazy. There was one company I worked for. If you use that word, you actually could be written up for harassment. Even though the person was lazy, you couldn't say it. That was during the politically correct era. When you'd have to say, oh, his work is less than satisfactory. We had to clean it up. And what you have to remember, a lot of people would think, well, a man could just go from one job to the next to the next. Let me tell you something. The one thing that helped me more than anything was constituency and relationship building with people. That's how I was able to move up the ladder. It wasn't because of a degree. It wasn't because of a skill set. That was part of it because I had to know what I was doing when I got there. That wasn't a problem. But the thing was, you can still have the talent and not get there. Just like so many people have talent and they go into Hollywood and try to become an actor or try to become a singer. It means nothing. It's about the connections you have. That's the reason why I tell these young kids, especially these young African-American black kids. I hate that term, but I use it. These black kids, 
that are out there going to college or not wanting to go to college because they don't see any merit in it. It's not just getting a piece of paper and saying, here it is, give me a job. It's about you building your constituency while you're in school. Your instructors can help you. Your classmates can help you. They probably have jobs lined up. They probably have family members that own companies. That's the way it works. And you wonder why a lot of these white kids are graduating from college and they have jobs coming out and they have a higher standard of living. It's because of the fact that they work on those things while they're in school. It's more than homework. It's more than classwork. It's that networking component with people that are going to bring you into the fold instead of bullshitting, going to parties and drinking and smoking. That's the distinction. So that when you get that piece of parchment, you also got something else with it. So what happens? Some of these guys, as the social worker complained on that one clip a while back, about these men 59 years old and 56 and 57 and 49 going to nursing homes. Well, for some of them, that's the only option they had. You have some men that have actually worked all those years and didn't have a damn thing to show for it afterwards. Because every dollar that they have made, they've had to spend it just as they made it. Not on bullshit, not on drugs, but I'm talking about just to live. There are people who go work 30 years at a company, retire, and then realize they have to go out and work again because the job they worked on didn't pay enough for them to live off of. They didn't put enough money away for retirement. They put away as much as they could, but if they were to put away too much, they wouldn't have been able to make it to work every day. These are things you have to look at. And the irony is, if you're under the age of 65, or 62 for that matter, and you get injured on a job, we'll say at 50, you better make damn sure, or you get a disability at 50, you better make damn sure you have enough years worked and paid into the Social Security system so you'll have some money. Because that little money you have in the 401k, that shit's going to go like clockwork. See, the difference is, when you're retired, that money is stationary. Yeah, true enough, you got the 401k, it's going up and down the market. But for the most part, that cyclical income, that monthly income that you need, it's not there. You get your disability from your insurance that you'll have on your job, and that pays, what, up to six months to a year of what your salary is, half of your salary at that. If you got a mortgage and car payment, what are you going to do? And if you go to Social Security too early, they're going to have you do a spend down because that's not going to trigger that insurance because the way they look at it, you have money to live off of. Why are you coming to Social Security? And by the way, folks, that is insurance that you've paid into that's not a handout. 
that little FICA that you see there, they take that shit out of your check, out of your unemployment, out of any money that you receive that you have to pay taxes on. They take that money. It may seem like a little amount, but if you had that money in the market, you'd probably do better. And here's the thing. I had been working since 1997. I mean, 1977. 1977. And then they come to tell me, well, um, how much money do you have? They literally ask you that. So security does, because I was disabled. They said, well, you have a sufficient amount of uh, funds to work through until you deplete them. Now, if I retired normally, like everybody else, I wouldn't have had that problem. I could have still kept my retirement. But I was too young at the time. And this is what happens. So, you know, all those drinks and cover charges and dates that you go on and all that shit when you're wasting that money when you're younger I wish I had every dime of it back but I don't miss the experiences I had but it took me a minute to learn how to actually make things work for me the way you treat the wait staff and the servers in an establishment trust me they will make your life much easier. Because the way they look at it is they don't get treated that well by people in general. People are always yelling at them, cussing at them, and everything else. It was pleasurable to walk into a restaurant, hear the maitre d' call your name. I don't mean over the intercom, but greet you by your name. Hey, we got a table for you. Boom. In some places, they'll say, hey, you know what? What do you want for dessert? Oh, don't worry about it. We covered it. What? Any more drinks? They would do that. But it was the way you treated the people. That was key. Now, with this, what do you have now? You have a lot of women talking about how broke down and broke the guy is, etc., etc. They want somebody that's got the money. If you are a female in your 50s, 60s, if you're over 40 and you're still looking for a man who's rich, you're fucked up. Plain and simple. You're just straight fucked up. Let me tell you something. The majority of women that I have met in my age range that are so, so bougie, most of those women got their money and assets from divorce. I run across that more than anything. Feeding off of someone else's success. I respect a woman who has gone out made her own way 
and has her own. Doesn't matter how much she has, doesn't matter what she has, as long as it's hers. Even if it's a one-bedroom studio apartment with a fucking cat, and she's only making $1,350 a month. If she can pay her bills, that's all that matters. And you will see, and I'm telling you from a man's perspective, ladies, it's even hard to find that in our day and age. Difficult to find. They have a lot of these older guys that will waste their retirement on these young girls that are going to use them for their money. And the way they look at it, well, I don't have to do much because, hell, he's got to take Viagra, so he's only going to be hard ever so often. Let's just face it. Aging is a brutal thing, but the thing is, fewer people appreciate the process. I know I'm counterintuitive because everybody's trying to be young. But you got to remember, that's a trend. I never forget a lady I knew in Los Angeles, obsessed by her looks, had all kind of facial surgery, breast enhancement. She had the uh, hips put in, these damn things that they put in her skin, damn booty lift. She had all that done. And she used to always say, well, I know I'm going to look good all my life, even at my funeral. Unfortunately, she passed away during a surgery. She was going for some kind of gastro bypass. She was trying to get rid of that pouch. She looked pretty good with the pouch, but she wanted to get rid of it. She wanted a flat stomach. At her funeral, she didn't look good. She looked mummified. And you know, it's sad because people can be obsessed about such things such as that and not realize they miss out on life. Out of all of this flamboyant stuff she would spend her money on, and she spent a lot of money, she she had it. Uh, she dated very well, and these guys, they shelled out the money to her. But they never thought enough of her to take her on trips. They never thought enough of her to get her out of the ghetto where she lived. They never thought enough of her to get her a decent car or help her with a decent car. They never thought enough of her to put a roof on her house. They never thought enough of her to even care as much as coming to her funeral. You know, her daughter said something that really uh, took the thoughts from my head. 
She said, my mama had all those men in her life. And the only thing they did was spent money on her and bought her things. But they never gave her a quality of life. Because she was so content with the material stuff. Sadly, when the kids went through some of her belongings, especially the jewelry box, a lot of those nice-looking rings, that gold rings and stuff, the rock was cubic zirconia. She didn't know the difference. I don't think she cared. But it was sad to see a person go like that for the benefit of someone else because she was trying to do the surgery and all these other things just to keep herself relevant with men. She didn't want an old man. She didn't want a man with gray hair. That was her big thing, even though her hair was matted gray. She'd lie to men and say, oh, I'm 45. This woman was 61 years old back then. she played that game you see the truth is with us men we know that we're irrelevant in so many ways we accept that and when we see a younger woman or a woman who's trying to be young the way we look at her is some guys will say, hey, I'm going for that. Fuck it, I'll dye my hair, do what I need to do. I'll go and buy clothes that maybe I shouldn't be wearing, like a 65-year-old man wearing skinny jeans with braids in his hair, wearing Jordans. Come on. Who you fooling? Being yourself is the best thing you could ever do. Being your best self is the better thing you can do. More in a moment. Now, what does aging really mean? That's a complex question. You know, when you're a teenager, you can't wait to become 21 or 18, right? And then when you get around 27, 28, you want to slow it up a bit because 30's coming. 30 gets there. And then by the time you hit 30, and once you hit that 35-mile mark, your years go fast because you're preoccupied at that time trying to stabilize your life. And before you know it, you're 42. You're like, where the hell did those years go? And then you're looking back and say, well, damn. Then you're not even remembering what Christmas you bought what gift or received what gift. Can't even remember when you purchased your car, how much you paid for it. Because what's happening is time is really going fast at that point. And then when you get around to 40, statistically, especially now, you have lived about 
the same amount of time you have left to live at that point. When you get to 50, you have lived longer than you're expected to live. Even if you look at the statistics now, from what the uh, CDC had brought up, what has happened? We've had a decline for the last two years in the age of people dying. Now, on average, it's around 78 years. At one point, it was in the 80s. And if you're Native American, it's even lower. It's like 76, Alaskan Native American. Why is this? Well, COVID had an impact for sure. But see, we don't know what other diseases, viruses are going to be exposed due to global warming. You see, viruses can lay dormant. And as ice sheets melt and people go into different areas, they can come in contact with viruses. And a difference with a virus unlike bacterial infection that we're accustomed to taking antibiotics for, or where we can cook up a bacteria in a laboratory or work around it, viruses are far more complex because they mutate very quickly. They can change up. Because the virus wants to survive too, just like you do. It needs a host. So you're seeing a resurgence of these different viruses that we thought had gone away. We only have a third of the population that's actually uh, vaccinated with the three doses of uh, the COVID virus. One third of the population. Out of 329 million, 10 million of that is, what, 32,000, I mean 32 million, sorry, people, you multiply that by three, I'm sorry, it's about that amount, 32 million that are not vaccinated at 10%. But if we multiply, no, I was right in the first place. Multiply that by three. My math is off. I'm getting old, folks. You're looking at what? Around somewhere in the neighborhood of about 96 million people that are not vaccinated in the United States, roughly. Maybe more than that. More like 100 million. So, we're going to find out how this movie ends some way, somehow, aren't we? As we go forward and live our lives. Now it's gotten really uh, dangerous to go out there and do anything now. To even even go to a venue because you don't know if the place is going to get shot up by somebody who's got emotional issues that they haven't squared away with. 
You have other things to think about because you got now the monkeypox. I see the chicken has their pox, the monkey has its pox. Who's next? I hope we don't come up with like the camel pox, the antelope pox, the turkey pox, pig pox, frog pox, snake pox, fish pox. And I don't mean to be cynical, folks. But we have to look at a few things here. We don't invest much in education in this country. And therefore, we're really dependent on innovation for the future. That's going to be it, especially for you people that are aging. If you're 35 and older, you better start thinking about this. Because no matter how young you try to feel and try to look, we have to keep in mind that we're all vulnerable as we get older. And we have to prepare ourselves. I'm not giving you doom and gloom, I'm giving you reality. And you can deny as long as you want to. But one of the most hurting things to see, and I've seen this, a woman is in her 50s trying to mingle with people in their 20s and 30s and she gets rejected. I'll never forget one night I was out and there was this older lady and it was obvious that she was older but she tried to appear much younger and some of the older guys her age tried to talk to her. She was about 50 or so and she wanted to hang with this young guy that she had danced with. I could tell he was about 28 or so. And he didn't mind dancing with her, but he didn't want to be around her that much. And she started clinging on to him, and he said, Look, Grandma, you need to go somewhere and sit down. I dance with you because you're an older woman, and I respected that, but I'm not interested. She went back to her table. And she started to cry. And the guys that he was hanging around, they told him, man, you need to go over there and apologize to that lady. And he went over and apologized to her. And she didn't want to talk to him. She wound up leaving. Because she wanted to fit in. You see that whole younger thing? It has its limits, just like the younger people have the limits with the older folks. Ask some of these young women that wound up getting out of the house from their parents when they were 18 and the guy was 28. And by the time she became 38, she started to realize, I ain't gonna do this shit again. I'm getting with someone within my age group or around my age. The biggest threat to older people staying at the party too long and not realizing that the clock is ticking. 
You're too busy looking back, trying to recapture your 20s, your 30s. And it's your choice, I should say your decision, on how you choose to live your life. And you younger folks, if you're 18, you need to have a roadmap as to how you're going to start your life and where you plan on going. And have them out in stages, your 20s, your 30s, your 40s, your 50s. Even if you don't make it there, at least have some sort of pattern that you're going to follow. That will keep you out of bad relationships. That will keep you out of being set back. It's no guarantee, but it will, it will definitely assist in your trek forward. It will help you immensely. There was a lady on TikTok the other night, 23 years old with five kids, five different baby daddies. And now she's talking about going back to college. But she said, the first thing she said out of her mouth before going back to college was, I got to find me a good man first. You've had five opportunities to pick one and you lost. But she never focused on herself. She focused on things she was going to do for somebody else. Even with going to school, yeah, I guess I'm going to go to college so I give me a good job. Well, she's going to college basically for the benefits of getting money. See, when you learn something, when you go to an institution and you learn something, you also learn tools. Take these tools that can help you navigate through life much easier. It's more than just getting a piece of paper. It's a life lesson. So you can go forward. Your education doesn't begin when you start school. Your education begins after you graduate. And this is what a lot of people don't realize. You start implementing what you've learned after you graduate. That is your education starting when you graduate. When you go out for that first job. You're actually beginning your education then. But high school has been put as a destination for people so long that they think that any other education that's associated with them going back to school or taking classes at a job is something that they just go and get that goal and then all of a sudden they're bragging about it. That's just a start. Well, folks, what I want you to get out of this, more so than anything, if nothing else, if you're a young woman, scratch that thing out of your head that 30 is some sort of number that's going to be designating you as old. We don't want to see any more young women hurt themselves based on that premise. Next thing, you older ladies... 35 and up, be happy who you are, accept who you are, love who you are, 
And if you want to wear your gray hair, wear your white hair, wear your black hair, salt and pepper hair, whatever, do it proudly for yourself first. Let society and those peer groups criticize somebody else. They won't criticize you for being you because you don't have to change for them. They would have to change for you. And if they don't, you didn't need them anyway. Those of you who are getting involved with bipolar relationships, understand there's a lot of work associated with that. Do your due diligence once again. Facebook.com backslash Romantic Truth. I have the article there. You can read it through. It will really help you out a lot. Like I said, with this podcast, there are no magic bullets. These are just tools and ammunition to help you along your way. We don't have any followers on this show. Even though I do want you to follow and like us on Facebook. And of course, subscribe to the show. But when I say followers, each of you are independent thinkers. Each of you are leaders of your own destiny. And you know what suits you and you know what doesn't. You know what is best for you and you know what isn't. These are just tools to help you along the way. I'm not trying to indoctrinate anybody. I'm not trying to persuade you. The only thing I'm trying to do is talk about things that you face every day in your lives. Because I face them in mine. We're on the same boat. I'm not a coach. I'm not a guru. I'm not a whatever. I'm just a human being just like you. Thank you for listening. I want you to take care. And remember one thing. No matter what age you are, Make sure you get in front of the mirror and tell yourself one thing, three words, I love you. That's what's important because it starts with the way you're treated by others, with the way you treat yourself. Love yourself first and others will love you accordingly. I would like to personally thank you for listening to Romantic Truth. You may follow us on Facebook.com backslash Romantic Truth. You may ask your friends to subscribe to Anchor.fm backslash Romantic Truth. Or you can leave us a message at Anchor.fm backslash Romantic Truth backslash message. You may contact us through email at RomanticTruthPodcast at gmail.com. Take care. Romantic Truth would like to take this opportunity and applaud our listeners and over 40 countries for their support. If you need someone to talk to in regards to help, you may contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255, available 24 hours. All correspondences read on the show have been pre-screened and pre-approved by the submitter to be aired on the show.
The views and opinions of this podcast does not reflect those of Romantic Truth, Anchor, Spotify, or any of its affiliates. The opinions expressed are solely those of the host and guests, and should not be deemed as professional guidance, advice, or a professional practice. In the event you may need professional assistance, contact your local federal, state, or county agencies for specific assistance in social services, family counseling, or mental health services. For all medical, legal, and financial services please contact the appropriate licensed and certified professionals within your region. The music that is provided on this podcast that is not provided by Anchor is used under waiver by Jaws and One Music for fair use. Please be advised that the content of this podcast is under copyright by Romantic Truth and James Adams.